<laughs> I think we're recording. We're recording. Welcome to this week's Yawa, where we're here to answer your questions. To start off, we have a couple kind of cool things. First of all, I want to say thank you to Mr. Kent Baker. And usually we don't do first and last names, but I had to point out the fact that uh, he found uh, Bakers, which I I know he didn't actually own this distillery, but it was a very fitting gift from a gentleman. So we want to say thank you very, very much. I'm going to try and get this thing cracked open here. As well as if it's your first time to the channel, definitely make sure to subscribe. <laughs> that popped off there really nicely. Yeah, yeah I love that sound. Uh, <laughs> put it closer so that they can, so everyone can hear. <laughs> uh, right. But so if you haven't subscribed, make sure you do and turn on notifications so you don't miss any of our upcoming videos. We are rocking and rolling the videos this year. We're putting out a video like once a day. So that equals like seven a week, which equals like 30 a month, which equals like. So there's 365 days in a year. Yeah, I was getting there. But anyway, so uh, subscribe. Long way of getting around to that. So also my announcement, which isn't as cool as Ethan's announcement because I don't like bourbon, but. I'm trying something new as well. This is, I believe, Bartles and James, something watermelon lime or watermelon mint. Apparently, there's a shortage of Corona Refrescas, which would be Cat's go-to. The uh, If I'm not drinking a red beer, I'm typically drinking a Corona Refresca. And un- unfortunately for us in the world, they are... Shut down and all of our go-to stores aren't carrying it right now so trying something new <laughs> it'll do Adaloo it's donkey. no refresca though it'll do donkey it'll do pig it's all right though huh well um there's a couple of things that we we're going to touch base on one of which is you're supposed to have the list <laughs> I said that there was nothing to announce. Just like life stuff, working on the kennel. Yeah, trying we're to finally kennel. get that finished. It's been up. hot, so it's uh, it's tough it's to tough get dogs to get moved around. But the the other side of it is, we do have a couple new things that, whether you've seen or not, we have added a lot of great things to our online store. We have a lot of requests for what do you use here and what do you use there, and we have done our best to collect all of those things and make them available to you in one place. Very, very simple. The newest addition of that is Choose and Treats. You're going to go to the store, hit the category Choose and Treats, and it will show you all of the um, pork, 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 pork. That sounds really weird when I said it. Pork, pork, pork pork chops, and Howl's Kitchen, which has like more of a dog biscuit type of thing. And some training treats. And then training treats, yep. As well as we've got some antler chews on there and a few rope toys and tug toys and things like that as well that we use and recommend. So all new stuff that you should definitely be checking out because if you love your dog as much as we do, you're going to want to get them some new chew bones. And they're new things on our store, but they're not new things to us. They've been, uh, we've been using these chews and treats, uh, especially from pork chomps for years and finally said, wonder if we can become a distributor or dealer or 
resaler or something. And guess what? We can. So we did. Initial impression, this is very tasty. Well, that leads us into our first question. From Eric Doan on Facebook. Eric Doan. To Ethan. Uh Uh-oh. Bourbon or whiskey? Weller 12, Blanton, or Pappy Van Winkle? Okay, well... Um, I would say in most situations it is going to be bourbon specifically. And for those of you that don't know, there are some pretty important differences that change a whiskey to a bourbon or slightly vice versa. It's basically, um, um, all bourbon is whiskey, but not all whiskey is bourbon. And I would say that for me, most of the time it's going to be bourbon. Now the three were Weller 12, Blanton's or Pappy Van Winkle. Okay, so I can say I have not ever had any Pappy of any sort, any year, any batch, anything. So I cannot compare that. I know it is like the holy grail of uh, bourbons, but I have not had the opportunity to taste that. Now, I will say I did for the first time this weekend get the opportunity to taste Weller 12. And although that was very tasty, my go-to out of those three in that list would be Blanton's, which is hard to get. Yeah. I'm pretty sure we have all the little horses and all the little men that spell out Blanton's. We do. Yeah. He does. I have nothing to do with the bourbon stuff. (laughs) All right. What's the next question? Next question, which I thought was a little humorous that I wanted to uh, touch on this because It's funny, especially if you're like a 12-year-old, but it is also something that I think that a lot of people probably deal with and have questions on from Matt Bradshaw on Facebook. Puppy humping, three-month-old male. I figure it's not sexual, but him humping a pillow or a toy or an arm or other human appendage, is it just an uncontrollable body function or a dominance thing? I don't know. It's funny, but quite annoying. It's definitely one of those things that you're going to want to nip in the bud now. Now, the only dogs that we don't really... um, We more redirect their focus than really get after them or anything like that is upcoming puppies that will potentially be stud dogs because they need to feel comfortable doing that. That's going to be kind of part of their job as they get older. Yeah. And little thunder does it. I mean, he tries to hump grandpa's leg or tries to do whatever. And you just say, all right, move him along and say, here, Distract a dog him with tree a toy. or a bone, woohoo, squirrel. And then he's on to something else. So, yeah. And I don't think at this point it really is anything sexual, maybe a little bit of a dominance thing, um, but more of just a uncontrollable bodily function of these little male puppies. Um, and if you aren't planning on having a stud dog, definitely not allowing that to happen because like you said, it's kind of annoying. It's not something that's going to just go away on its own. If you don't redirect and step in and say, Hey, we don't do that. Um, and there's also the situation where if they're doing it to another dog that doesn't appreciate it, that could cause problems, i.e. a dog fight. And we definitely don't want that to occur or happen as well. Um, because a lot of dogs aren't going to appreciate that type of attention. From another dog. No, absolutely not. So it was a good question. Sorry, I made a little joke, but um, it is kind of humorous, but also definitely something that I know people have dealt with in the past and have had questions about. So 
wanted to touch on that. Okay, next question, uh, which I think is a really great one from Washington Hunting Newbie on Instagram. You've said when you get a new dog in for training, the first thing you do is to teach the dog to be a dog. Obviously, you've been listening to a lot of our (laughs) yawas and other such videos, but what is it to be a dog? What can owners do with new puppies to not set them up to not being a dog? This is a fantastic question, and it is something that I bring up a ton and say, first of all, we're going to teach them how to be dogs. Now, the the whole thing behind that is there is so much wrapped up into including our dogs in our lives. and Well, we love them, and they're part of our family, and we try and treat them more as a family member or a child and not necessarily as an actual dog and their dogs. Yes. And some of the things that come into play with that, that we hear all the time, or we hear people talking about, or I see firsthand is, you know, more or less asking the dogs how they feel and do you want to do this? And is this okay with you if we go do this or a great example is, oh, he doesn't like his ears touched or we can't really look in his mouth or he hates having his nails trimmed or she doesn't like her paws touched. Yeah. Well, they're dogs. And those are things that we need to be able to do in just grooming and examining those dogs. So them being tolerant of being handled is important. They need to learn to give into that because if they need to be groomed, their ears need to be cleaned. They've got uh, something jabbed up in the mouth that they need to get looked at or just, you know, weekly nail maintenance to make sure that they're not going to break a nail or something like that when they're out running or hunting. Um, because nail breaks can be very painful. They can become infected if they're bad enough and a dog can go lame. You can have to amputate a toe. I mean, it can just escalate. So, uh, nail maintenance is really important. And a lot of people say, well, they don't like their nails trimmed, so we just don't do it. So those are going to be some of the things that we can see with our dogs for hand. And a lot of people are doing, you know, you're, you're setting up that situation as if it were another person and you would go, okay, so you don't want to be bothered right now, or you've, you've expressed to me that you want me to leave you alone. Okay, I'll give you that. And we have to understand that they are dogs and they are animals. And although they're a part of our family, they have to play by the rules in order to be a good part of the, the family and society. So step one um, in being teaching a dog to be a dog, a lot of times it's just going to be developing a working attitude. So when we have our dogs at our, at our house or at home, a lot of times they get food in a bowl, the bowl gets set on the ground, they get to eat it, they go on about the day. They also are in situations where they get to entertain themselves a lot, go out in the backyard, burn off some energy, or here's some toys, go chew on them or go do your thing. All based around, I'm kind of busy right now, so I need you to go entertain you. And when they do that, you know, it kind of puts them in a situation where they don't truly understand their place in life. And all of our hunting dogs, and most of you watching have hunting dogs or hunting dog breeds, have to understand that they want to have a job. They need to have a job. And whether you provide that to them or you give them the opportunity to figure that on their own, they, they're going to be looking for a job. Now, if we can teach them, and this is what we do to begin with, most dogs that come into the program, um, are a little overwhelmed right off the bat. And 
when we start them off, like I was saying, the leading up to the first step in teaching them to be a dog is we actually feed them all of their meals in training sessions right off the bat. Most dogs may skip like one to two meals right when they first come in from a, a mild amount of stress that's totally normal. Um, and they're not going to die for missing one meal or one day's worth of meals. But then coming to that next day, they're ready. They're a little hungry. They're ready to focus. They're ready to work. And then that food's coming directly from us as trainers. And it's building a relationship between us and the dog, as well as is helping them to understand that, hey, we came into this new place. They've got all these new rules. And here, I have to work for stuff. And these people are important because they're the ones feeding me and dogs are very food motivated, especially when they learn to work for their food. And that is an important part of their life. So people that feed them are also an important part of their life. Yep. So step one is going to be incorporating that work part into everyday life. The next thing is going to be allowing them to socialize and interact with other dogs. Now, properly, properly. Yes. hundred percent. So we have, um, individual groups that are broken out into typically we have the puppy group and that puppy group is going to be anywhere from, you know, our six months is our minimum for dogs coming into the program. And then they could be all the way up to about a year sometimes, yeah, depending on the personality year, of the year dog. And a half, kinda. It's the puppy group though. And it's usually the dogs that need to go out first to go to the bathroom because at our facility, we actually have indoor only climate controlled kennels and those kennels are, um, you know, their expectation is nobody has to go to the bathroom in the building. Now, accidents happen, but um, we do let outs in the morning starting at, uh, well, right now because of summer hours, 5.30. Last thing at night is about 9.30, 10 o'clock. So they get to go out in groups. There's the puppy group. Then there's typically the intact male group. And then there's the intact female group and or older neutered males. Now, the reason those neutered males go out with the females is because sometimes that lack of testosterone changes the overall dog's smell, if you will. And the intact males like to bug on them like a little much. And like so, we talked about, about puppy humping, also any humping um, or extra attention that those neutered males aren't going to enjoy can create some tension amongst the dogs. So we avoid that by not allowing them to interact that way. Yep. So... Step one, the, the feeding regimen. Step two is going to be interaction with dogs. And once they learn to get along and play and interact, it builds a ton of confidence and a ton of them understanding how to become friends with another dog and play and interact. and Understanding their place in a pack of actual dogs and not necessarily in a pack that is your family. Yeah. Because yeah. dogs are all on the same level. People are above them in the pack and a lot of single dog families create this. Well, the dog is on the same level as them and the dogs need to learn their place that that's not exactly where they really belong. Yeah. Cause in the hierarchy, a lot of times you can have, um, jockeying for position or challenging for positions. And we don't see a ton of that here. And that's what part of breaking those groups out. You get dogs that get along well together Anytime we see any rifts or anything that doesn't fit, we make adjustments to that. But um, once they get good with those groups, then you have a dog that's comfortable socializing, comfortable playing. And for most dogs, this doesn't take very long. We're talking within a week, they're 100% comfortable. They're working for their food. And then they move into a standard training regimen um, all within the first week of being here. 
the, there are some dogs that do struggle more that it can take a little bit longer. Um, or ultimately, you know, there are a few dogs out there that just really never come into that based on how they're bred and their personalities and everything else. But that is the very few and far between. Um, we get them comfortable working, we get them comfortable other, with other dogs. And then you have a dog that's ready and willing to work and train. And then we can move on to teaching them to be bird dogs. And sometimes when you have a dog that's a little more uncomfortable being here, they get worked up in a kennel situation uh, a little more easily. We like to utilize our treadmill time for dogs like that. Um, the, all dogs, we typically try and teach how to run on the treadmill because it's a really great mental and physical exercise for them. But the dogs that are really unsure being here right away, it's something that we can work through with them that allows them to focus on the task at hand. And dogs have a very one-track mind. Once they're focused on, I have to work, I have to maintain a pace, I have to stay on this treadmill, they can't really think about, oh, I'm unsure of being here, or, oh, I'm barking my head off all day, or any of that, you know, anxious or uncomfortable behavior that kind of is eliminated by them having to think about something. And then when they get off the treadmill, they're both mentally and physically tired, so then they can go and relax. So it's a really great way that we've utilized to get dogs to settle down and settle into the kennel situation as well. We get some pushback from uh, people on that too. They say, well, uh, the you're going to throw this already stressed dog onto a treadmill and you think that that's going to better them? Uh, absolutely it is. And the reason for that is... Stress is a really important part of growth for not only the dogs, but in all life. It is. And what we, you know, the more that we play into the way the dog is acting and and reacting to their situation the more that we're going to end up reinforcing those things. So um, that's something that we hear from people and I see all the time. Everybody does it. Their dog does something that's um, an unsure behavior or they act as if they are not comfortable with one thing or another and you comfort them. And we have to think about... Because again, we're thinking of them as a person, not as a dog. So the dog barks at the neighbor or the dog woofs or the dog seems startled by something and you say, or even the dog growls and says, this is my bone, or this is my food or whatever you say, oh buddy, it's okay. You know, I'm, I'm your dad, I'm here and, you know, start petting him. All of that's reinforcement. You're, you're talking sweetly in this, um, you know, dogs read tone and flexion and the way your words are coming off and they understand this They're as- thinking it is praise. Yeah. Oh, good boy. Nice job growling at me, buddy. I appreciate that. You know, you're, you're doing a good job protecting your bowl of food there. And all of those things come into, um, you know, not the, necessarily the proper way to be able to interact with those dogs. Now, when we move into that stress zone, like we're talking about, what we're saying is, buddy, you're normal. You're not stressed. You're normal. And we're going to put you in a, a slightly mildly stressful yep. situation for you. Slightly stressful situation where you can um, learn to overcome a small task. And that small task is to walk on a treadmill. And once you get to that point, you're going to be tired and you can go to sleep. And then when you wake up, you can go, huh, well, I mean, that wasn't so bad. I'm here. I'm not sitting thinking about the fact that there's dogs and I'm on a dog bed, not on a couch. And you know, they don't have the opportunity to stress about all the other things and that that really helps dogs to overcome it. So those would be a big part of the the ways that we help new dogs come in 
become dogs first. And most of that stuff all happens, especially if we have a little bit of a trouble settling, um, settling in, we, we start all that within the first week. So, but that was a really great question. One that I thought we definitely wanted to touch on, especially, um, coming into the rest of our training season for the year. So absolutely. Well guys, that's all we've got for the first part this week. Um, we're going to take a short break here and then we will be back for part two. All right, guys, welcome to part two of this week's Yawa. If this is your first time to the channel, you're just finding this video, definitely hit the subscribe button and then go back and watch part one first. It will make more sense as we progress through this. Yawa. Yawa. Series. All right. So. But I wanted to mention because we forgot to mention in part one. So all of you tuning in for part two, get a little insider information. We just finished recording our first ad, which is part of uh, our podcast. So that means all of these Yawas that are on YouTube are now getting uploaded and should be available on Spotify and Apple Apple Podcast Podcast as Mm -hmm. well. So um, I know a lot of requests have been, hey, are all the rest of your Yawas going to go up on those podcast platforms because I like to listen on our drives, things like that. And We've been kind of slow to get that advertisement recorded so that it can get incorporated into those podcasts and then get posted. So that's done now. It's done and done. Uh, Everybody always wants to know, uh, this evening I am drinking Baker's, Baker's 7, I believe is what you call that. Yep. Bourbon. It is a 107 proof and... It's a little bit hot. Some people love that. I am. Uh, I like the little lighter proof. So I threw one ice cube in this. Otherwise, I normally drink things neat. But it's got some really good flavor. This was actually a gift from a gentleman who shares the last name of the bottle. So um, thank you very much for that again. And Kat is switching things up because of the refresca shortage in the world. I know. I love my refrescas. If you also have tried the Corona refrescas, especially the guava lime, which is like my absolute favorite, uh, put it in the comments below because yeah, it nobody is... likes those coconut ones. No, don't even make them anymore. But the passion fruit ones are okay too, but the guava lime are the best. Um, so if you've tried them and like them, put that in the comments below and we will be hoping that Corona gets back to making those soon. Cause these Bar- Bartles and James watermelon minty things are Okay. Meh. Meh. Okay. Without further ado, let's go. This question is from Michael D. Powlitz. It's a long one, so bear with me. I'm going to try and read it um, fairly coherently on Facebook. Ethan and Kat, thank you both so much for the plethora of content you put out. It's an extremely valuable resource for someone like me who is attempting to train their first canine hunting partner, an 11-month-old Vishla. Oh, that's awesome. Well, you're very welcome. And training your first bird dog is really awesome and it's quite an accomplishment. So my question this week is about the tone function on my dog's e-collar. In your opinion, what is the best way to utilize the tone function during training or hunting? 
I've seen videos of other people using the tone function for recalling their dogs or training the tone sound to be a marker for positive reinforcement from an extended distance. However, I'm not completely sold on either of these ideas and value professional opinion far more than theirs. Laugh out loud. Any input would be greatly appreciated. Well, we appreciate you trusting us and asking for our opinions. Uh, We use DT Systems collars and all of the models that we use actually don't have tone, but we know how it's used. So I want to start this one by saying if you are working through and don't already, I'm trying to see what it's. He has a tone function. No, no, no. What are you trying to work through? Um, I was going to say that if you're working through training your own dog, following our videos, you should check out patreon.com slash standing stone kennels, which is where Kat and I can offer you the absolute most powerful and beneficial tool that we have in our tool bag, which is our ability to read dogs and dog training sessions. So you need to jump on over there. Check that out. Um, We have multiple different tiers that allow you to just ask questions on the regular or shoot videos of your sessions and send them to us. That is going to be the most beneficial way to work through that. We actually have a couple of other tiers too for people. Uh, One is our VIP tier, which allows you to have phone call conversations set up. Mm -hmm. Um, And our newest tier by popular demand is our live training um, video exchange, I guess, if you will, kind of through Zoom chat or FaceTime or whatever system will work best for setting up. Whatever works best. We're going to get on a video call with you, sit down, watch you do your training session. And we can say, whoa, 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 whoa. Stop that right now before you create a bigger problem and then start doing it this way. So you get live real time feedback on what's going on in your training sessions. You can do that. Set up an appointment to do that once a week. And that can be a really powerful way of training your dog instead of shooting a video, posting the video. We're really good about watching those and getting back to you within 24 hours. But once you post it, we watch it. We re- we reply with a post and then you read the reply. It's probably closer to 36 hours, maybe 48 hours for that whole circle of information to get passed around. A circle. Yeah. And so... Um, if you've been doing more training sessions in that time, you could be compounding a problem. If it was a really big problem that we need to step in and say, Hey, wait, 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 wait. Mm -hmm. That's where that live video where we can step in and say, stop right now. What you're doing isn't going to be beneficial. Or we can say, Hey, your puppy's got this. Let's not, you know, beat a dead horse. Let's move on to the next step. Um, We don't want your puppy to get bored with training. So 100%. But to get to the question. Yes. Um, it's, and it's a good one because a lot of people do in our opinion, utilize tone improperly as well as utilize the beeper function. Some callers, um, are going to also have a beeper function, which some of the DT systems callers that we use the wrap 1450, for example, has the beeper feature, which is supposed to be used for locating your dog in the field in thick cover or knowing when they're on point. Um, and some people use that beeper function as a warning for their dog and they'll beep, 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 beep their dog and their dog hightails it and turns around and comes back. So they're using it kind of for recall and, or having the dog check in with them, which isn't how it's intended to be used. So that then if you need to locate them or find if they're on point and they've been so conditioned that they recall at that point, 
Well, we don't want them recalling and pulling off of birds or anything like that. No, no. And um, it's it's one of those things that's going to be pretty easy to actually teach the beeper to become recalled just via just reps in general. So it's something you need to be aware of. You hit the beep like, where are you at? Oh, you're not where I want you to be. And then immediately switch over and call them back your direction. And then the beep, like dogs anticipate, the next thing you're going to do is call me to you. So you have to kind of watch that. But into tone specifically, we're going to utilize that tone um, as a similar mild negative reinforcement tool, um, just like we would utilize vibrate. And so we would actually use tone for recall, not as a form of some kind of positive marker or something like that while the dog's in the field. No, but definitely it would be utilized the same as the vibrate, which with the vibrate on our collars, not only can the dogs feel the vibration of the collar, but they can hear that, you know, buzzing of vibrate um, because that box is right by their ear. Just like sometimes you can't feel your phone, but you hear it going. Exactly. So um, that's utilizing two senses. And with the tone, you're just utilizing one sense with the dog, but they're able to still put those pieces together and say, oh, I turn this sound off by doing something that I already know. Now, I've actually seen more recently that the vibrate is almost more aversive to dogs than um, stimulation is on the collar. Like dogs are jumping out of their socks and freaking out because the vibrate on the collar turns on. And um, if that's worked through improperly, it can actually create a problem. Um, But if it's worked through properly, it just shows that the vibrate can be an even more powerful tool that allows you to not have to use stimulation on the regular. You know, I mean, you have a dog that 100% responds to vibrate. You don't need anything else. Yeah. And actually in our last puppy training seminar, we worked with a whole bunch of different puppies and all of those clients had different e-collar systems. You know, some had collars from us, some had collars that they had purchased other places um, and different brands. So we were, you know, checking things. um, And we even noticed from brand to brand, sometimes the vibrate on those collars is much more or less powerful. Um, you could really feel yeah, the difference on some of them. The Tritronics collar vibrate was almost nothing. I mean, it was like barely there. Yeah. Yep. So some of the dogs were like, I'm just ignoring this because it really doesn't matter. Um, and then we'd switch to a DT systems collar and the vibrate is a little more powerful. And they're like, Oh, wake up. Hello. I'm listening now. I can feel that and it gets my attention. And then was it a dog tray unit? I don't remember what the unit was. Something. It was like, like they pulled that vibrator from something else and put it in this e-collar just for the sake of getting a dog's attention. I mean, it's. Yeah. And I think there was also a collar that had tone that we were using as well. The Tritronics one used tone. Um, it had an interesting selector thing. So it kind of gave you like modes where you could select through different modes and you got Nick and then tone and vibrate, or you got Nick and continuous and tone, but there was no Nick and continuous and vibrate. Yeah. You couldn't get the, you couldn't get the three you might want all at the same time. You got the three that they were going to give you, you know, yeah, exactly. Now, definitely we have a bias because we've been utilizing DT systems collars for a very long time. They're a great company based out of Dallas. It's a small family run business. You know, I mean, they, um, they're good people and the equipment is really, really good. And we've been using it for a long time. So I'm going to feel most comfortable with what I've been using, but my goal with our seminars, Kat, my goal with our seminars is to be able to help you learn how to 
train your dog. And if you come in saying, this is my e-collar, I'm going to help you work through it. We're going to do the best that we can. Um, I could just immediately say it's garbage, throw it away, buy a new one. Yeah, there are very few situations where we can't work with the collar system that you have to help you learn how to handle your dog with that system. I can probably count one time that I was, was like, probably the collar is too hot. Yep. Yeah. It was with little Odette yeah. and um, their collar. Tritronics Pro. Yeah. And you had to. Something. You had to turn the dial to get from stimulation to vibrate and then push the same buttons. Um, And they only had levels one through six and they were pretty hot levels and pretty big jumps between each of those levels. And she was a little Brock Francais, pretty um, soft as far as collar pressure went and just making slight handling errors by not turning back to vibrate and hitting the, you know, continuous on a one. She was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm not ready for that. Um, So we actually found one of the DT systems callers, the MR 1100, which is super simple. And there's a button for continuous, a button for vibrate and a button for Nick. Yeah. Three buttons. It's a small transmitter fits right in your hand. 16 levels. Super easy. um, But really simple and easy to use. If you know where your buttons are, you really can't make a mistake, um, by not turning that dial to the right level that you need to be at. So, um, as well as it allows you to switch from vibrate to a level of stimulation, just like that, not with messing with a dial on the top. So that really worked, um, that recommendation and they're very happy with that collar. Uh, but for the most part, we're able to utilize the collar systems that you come in with. Um, and when we train dogs for people, if they already have a collar system, we say, Hey, bring your collar system with you when you pick up your dog so that I don't work with you and get you comfortable handling your dog on our system and then send you home. And you're trying to, you're like, Oh, I don't know what button to push. And I don't know what level we were using. And you know, I'm comparing apples to oranges and it's not making sense. So we want you to bring your collar system with when you pick up your dog so that you can feel comfortable working with the system you're going to have at home. Yeah. So we've covered a lot about collars and different setups and tones. Did we actually 100% answer the question? I think so. They were asking if they could use the tone function for recall or if they should use it more as a marker for positive reinforcement um, Mm. from an extended distance. And if you're using some form of marker, you might as well just use a clicker. It's, um, it's going to work better for you than having a collar and on them that they're hearing um, the clicker would be harder from a distance, I think. You know, that's what he was kind of mentioning. But at the same time, uh, when you're to that point, I mean, most of the time, uh, we're, we're not going to utilize a clicker either way. So, yeah, once we're to the point of collar conditioning um, and working through that conditioning process at a distance, we're not using clickers as markers. We're definitely not using the tone as a as a marker. No. So. Yeah, you can use it, and any time that we're showing in our videos vibrate, you would be able to utilize tone in that situation. Great question. It's a really good question. I think that that's probably all we're going to have time for in part two so that we don't get too long because this next question is going to be a long one. So make sure to tune in to part three so you don't miss what we're going to be talking about because it's a good one. We will see you in just a minute.
Hi guys, welcome back to part three of this week's Yawa. I'm Cat the Dog Trainer. I'm the guy with the pink gun. And if this is your first time to the channel, I am sorry that you are just now finding us, but I am so excited to be able to share with you all of the content we've created and everything that we're about to. Hit the subscribe button so you don't miss anything that is coming in the future. And all of the great content we've done in the past. We did some math in the last ep. Was it was it part one or part two you did math? Math. Part one, I think. Part one, we did math and figured out that if we post a video every single day, that adds up to 365 videos this year. We Crazy. Are, it's a lot. We are on the train thus far to being pretty dang close to that. We're going to be on the north side of 300 videos this year, I know for sure. Um, so we don't want you to miss any of that. Now, in the first two parts, we covered a lot of great stuff, some of which included... <laughs> you're going to have to go back and watch them. Now, let's get on to some questions for this one. First question from Larry Embry on Facebook. Happy to see you are doing another lab puppy series in the future. Mm-hmm. It's funny you mention that. Uh, we're actually going to be doing that lab series with Lone Duck... Bob Owens that owns Lone Duck Kennels out in New York. And this little uh, black male, I believe, is what we're getting. It's uh, I think that there's only black male options, so it won't be... We're it'll getting be a pretty, black lab male we're puppy. We're getting a black lab male puppy. But we're going to be doing a video. Um, this is something that we've had a ton of questions about, and we get asked all the time when people come to pick up puppies from us. How do we go about coming to get the dog? Um, Because we actually don't ship our puppies, so you have to come get them. And a lot of times we recommend if you're a good distance away, fly in and fly the puppy back with you as your carry-on item. So we're going to be taking the trip. Kat and I are going to vlog that and show you what it's like, how to prepare, what you need to be able to fly out, pick up your puppy, and fly your puppy back with you. The process is easy, and we're going to show you what that looks like. So on to your question, Larry. Puppy question for Yawa. Our four and a half month old lab puppy gets zoomies. They are funny to see <laughs> once in a while. Tough not to laugh when she does them. But I worry that she is out of control and will get hurt or that they could become a pattern or habit. I have seen it triggered from being scolded. Normally, though, she seems to get frustrated or excited with a toy and off she goes. It is a bit difficult to stop redirect once it starts. What are your thoughts on zoomies in puppies? Are they normal puppy things? Do you let them happen, ignore them, stop them, or try to settle the puppy down? Oh, oh, there was more to that question. Eek. Or try to settle the puppy down out of, I got to go back to Facebook and find it. I'm going to start answering that question while Kat looks for the rest of it because Zoomies, um, for those of you that don't know, it's just a more or less random seeming outburst of energy and excitement in a dog. I think that's probably like an actual dictionary. Let me look. Producer, look that up. Hey. What is the definition of Zoomie? And that's a really exciting thing Kat just mentioned is a producer. There's a good chance that we're going to be moving that direction and we're going to actually have a producer here to help us with our Yawa videos. So stay tuned for that. Uh, I think you're going to enjoy it. Let's see. Zoom. They'll be able to jump in with all these little tidbits that we try and pull out on our own. Um, But to finish that question, 
Also referred to as fraps. Oh. Uh, and I may say this wrong. Frenetic random activity periods. Refer to those unmistakable explosions of energy that dogs have on occasion. Zoomies are often featured frantic, repetitive behavior, such as running in circles or spinning around. Um, to answer the first part of that that we do know, zoomies are 100% normal. Almost all, if not every dog, does it at some point in time. And it is, again, 100% normal. Now, the thing that you had, did you find it? Yeah. All right, go ahead and read it. Are they normal puppy things? Do you let them happen, ignore them, stop them, or try to settle the puppy down out of the frenzy and refocus? Good. Sorry, it took me a long time to get that all together now. All together now. So, 100% normal. And it is something that you're going to see. And if you haven't seen it with your dogs and you're wondering what the heck is this doing thing, it's going to happen at some point in time. They're going to get excited. They're going to be happy. There's going to be fresh air, something, something, zoomings. They're going to pop out. Now, the thing about them, and this comes down to um, everything that Cat and I preach with the development of a young dog. We were going to develop the behaviors that we want to see out of them as adults with them as puppies. And we've talked a lot about the fact that we don't allow um, overactive behavior in the house. No romping around, no jumping, no wrestling with the other dogs, no bouncing off the furniture. None of those things are allowed inside. So outside, fresh air, zoomy, all you want. Have fun, knock yourself out. The, Not literally, though. If figure of speech. I know, but they get crazy with those zoomies. And sometimes, like you said, Larry, you're afraid they might get hurt. And it could happen if they're zooming around and another dog's out there zooming around with them. They can collide. (laughs) They could definitely get hurt. So speaking of collisions, it seems like it's a, it's an inevitable thing. You run multiple dogs in the field together. There is, you know, tens of twenties of hundreds of acres of field and they, it never seems to fail that dogs are running independent of each other, just cross paths and run into each other. And that can be pretty serious. So we try and avoid that happening at all possible, but it does happen. Like we talked about, it's a pretty normal situation, but back to your question about the frenzied energetic activity. So how do we mitigate that in the house? 100% with the puppies, we're going to interrupt that behavior and we're going to redirect focus to something else. I have said it over and over and over and over again. And I'm going to say it again because it's very important. Place training is something that we utilize a ton, 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 especially during the development stage. And if you have a, what was it? Four and a half month old. Even better. 18 month old puppy. You should be able to incorporate some place training. 18 week old puppy. (laughs) Math. Uh, 18 week old puppy. I got the 18 part right now. Jeez. Give me a break, sister. Um, so 18 weeks old, you should be able to start to incorporate some level of duration into your training sessions. And you've seen already, we put a, a lot, a lot, a lot of emphasis all through just, um, you know, suggestions to baby thunder. And we do that via Every time we give him a bone, we put it on his dog bed. And if he gets off the dog bed with the bone, we pick it up and we move it back to the dog bed and show him, hey, if you just stay here on the dog bed, you can have it and you can be interrupted. If you try and go over there, we're going to help direct you back. 
Um, and we this, utilize our adult dogs to hang out on the dog beds and that pulls him to the dog bed because he wants to be with them. If you don't have an older dog, obviously that's not an option, but if you do and your older dog is place trained or isn't, you could work on place training with them, which will allow your younger dog to also key off of that and develop that good behavior. hundred percent. And uh, even this evening I gave uh, Thunder a small pork chomp treat and um, we actually get the it's the eight inch rolled pork chomps and then I cut them in half for a majority of our dogs and sometimes we'll give them a whole one but for the most part we cut those in half and they make like the perfect size treat um, but I gave him one of those half pieces and he's small enough that he can't do a whole lot with them even but he's excited to chew on it for a little while and gave it to him. And what did he do? He ran to his dog bed and he is, I mean, right about 18 weeks old. I mean, what yeah. are they going on? 12, 13 and 20. a half weeks old. Heck he's, he's almost, he's almost a year now. <laughs> so, um, he's got this stuff figured out now all, all jokes side. He is a puppy, but he's already figuring out I should take my bone, go lay on the dog bed. And that's all uh, just you know, through th- repetition and f- having some expectations with him. And a few obedience sessions where we've kind of taught him that going under the dog bed, he can get rewarded for. So we've built a lot around that place training and it gives us a lot of ability to help redirect focus and then to help them to have calm behaviors inside. Again, take your puppy outside, let them have the zoomies. It's fun. It's exciting. They need to be able to have fun and interact and Burn off a little energy. Do dog things 100%, but it doesn't need to happen inside. And you were saying, you know, I don't want her to get hurt or that those will become a pattern or habit. And it's good that you're recognizing that because anything a dog's doing consistently, they're conditioning themselves to. So if, you know, every time she gets scolded or every time she gets a toy and she's playing with it and she's getting excited or frustrated with it, she gets these zoomies. Well, She's going to think that that's how she interacts. That's how she plays in the house. That's the way that she does things and redirecting that, you know, interrupting that behavior um, and having calm expectations of go chill on your dog bed while we're inside is definitely something that we would recommend. Absolutely. Absolutely. So great question, Larry. Finally got it all spit out there. Had to go back to Facebook and get the rest of the question, which it was only missing like two words, but it had at the bottom of it, see more. So I had to go back for (laughs) Facebook reference, but, uh, next question, which this is also a really great question and something that we can definitely relate to with our son, Aiden, um, from Allison J Jones on Instagram. First off, thank you so much for taking the time to create all this awesome content. You're welcome. You're very welcome. We've bring, we're bringing home our first GSP middle of August and thanks to your videos and blog posts, I'm feeling confident and prepared. Awesome. You should also be checking us out at patreon.com slash standing stone kennels. If you need help with that, there is a link directly on our website to our Patreon page, but there we are set up to give you guys the most powerful tool that Kat and I have, which is the ability to read dogs and training sessions. So if you haven't already checked it out, check it out. Especially if you're bringing home a new puppy in the middle of August, you're probably going to have some questions and might need some help with those beginning training sessions. So feel free to reach out to us there as well. But my question is, 
How do you go about introducing young puppies to your son? And how did you prep your son for meeting the puppies? I want to do what I can to set up my kids ages two and four and our new pup for success and a mutually respectful and fun loving relationship. Thanks again for the work you're doing. So this is a really good question. We also had another question very similar um, from practice underscore mommy on Instagram. How do I teach my puppy not to jump on my toddler when he falls over? Puppy is getting really good at not taking snacks, toys, etc. from the baby. Oh, good. That's a good start. That's a very good start. But every time my son, 18 months, which is like almost the exact same age as Aiden, he's 19 months, um, falls over. Puppy seems to think it's a game and jumps all over him, licking his face. 100%. And I have no illusion here. All right, folks. We are people just like you. Our kid is a kid just like your kid. And our puppies are puppies just like your puppies. They do all of the things. Um, the thing about it is being able to recognize and know how to handle those things. And the faster you can work through them, the less conditioned they become and the less that you see the problem. For example, and we're going to be shooting a video very soon. If you've been following along with our channel, um, you've probably seen Thunder's uh, nail trimming videos. And his first nail trimming video was horrible. I mean, he's biting me. He's fighting. He's throwing a fit. He's trying to get anything and everything he can do to get out of it. And second session um, was much, much better. And then we haven't shot another video yet. But I've it just still been... took him quite a while to settle down and calm down and fully relax. Yeah, absolutely did. Um, but we saw some improvement and no we, biting, no, no biting pretty much in that one session and just being consistent. Um, we were able to work through that. Now we are, are continuing to progress and he's still not by any means perfect, but we're utilizing the exact method that we did in the second session, just doing that once a week. Um, and then holding him in the position and, and helping him to get used to that on a more regular basis. And then we will shoot a, let's see when he actually hits that mark. And I almost shot it this last week here. So he would have been, we just talked about this 13 weeks old or between 12 and 13 weeks old um, to show you that he's almost perfect. I mean, it took him a little bit to settle down and then he was just like, all right, fine. Trim my nails. And that is where we want them to be. And it did not take very long. I mean, to consider the fact that we started at eight weeks and now he's 13 weeks, that's uh, one month of training sessions and we're almost there. So all of these things are possible through good timing and proper repetition and knowing what to do. So where are you going with that? I'm going with the fact that we have a kid and a puppy and the the kid and the puppy are doing these things, but being able to know what we need to do to help them is beneficial. And that all stems back to some questions that we answered in, I think the first part about dogs being dogs. Yeah. Um, At the very very beginning, very end of the very beginning. End of the beginning. Watch part one and part two folks. So we, um, we, we, first of all, we have realistic expectations of Aiden and we have realistic expectations of the puppy and those involved. We also advocate for both. Yes. Advocating for both and teaching both the manners. So, um, we have to help Aiden to understand that rolling on the ground and giggling and screaming and things like that are going to entice the puppy to want to play with him. And if the puppy starts playing too rough, 
Aiden has to stand up for himself and say, no, no, puppy, leave me alone. And that's what we've taught him. He said, no, just tell the puppy no. And if the puppy starts jumping on him or doing anything else, you'll hear him. He's like, no, puppy, no. It's it's actually more like, no, 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 in his cute little Aiden voice. Yep, it sounds very similar to that. Wait, 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 wait. Let's do that one more time. Just rewind it and play it again. Okay. Pausing for the rewinding. No, puppy, no. It's it's actually more like, no, 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 in his cute little Aiden voice. Okay. So um, the other side of it is, though, uh, at the same time, Aiden will take a toy and he will um, he'll be swinging around and playing and giggling and he'll hit thunder with the toy. And we have to say, hey, kiddo, that isn't okay. You can't slap grandpa. You can't pull on his ears. You can't pull on his tail. He, like when the dogs are running around, he loves to grab the dog's tails and hold on. All of those things could potentially get him in a situation with the wrong dog um, that he could get into trouble as well as he's just not need, respectful. Right. He doesn't you know, need just, to be doing that with our dogs or any dogs. It's um, a big pet peeve. It's a big pet peeve of mine. I don't mean to cut you off, but it's like you see other people say, Oh, my dog's so wonderful with the kids. Look, it just lets them crawl over and pull their ears and do all these things. And it's like, yeah, I mean, he's tolerant or she's tolerant, which is fantastic. But, um, you know, have a little respect for the dog in a situation that they shouldn't have to tolerate those things. Let's say, kids, let's have a little respect for the dog and, and play with, pet, love on, give affection, but do it in an appropriate way. Let's go ahead and pet them, pet them on the head nice, not just jerk on their ears and uh, as jump well on as them. We've talked about dogs are dogs and unpredictable things happen and your dog could have a sore spot one day or an ear infection and then your kid jerking on their ears, it's going to hurt and they might snap at them and scare them at the least, but hurt them. Um, and it's, you know, yeah, your dog shouldn't potentially bite your kid, but also your kid shouldn't be ragging on their ears and hurting them either. Um, so advocating for both is really important. Uh, but an 18 month old, your kid should be able to on say, the edge of, yeah. yeah, be able to say no, um, push the puppy a little bit away and yeah, they fall over and the puppy thinks it's so fun and it's a game. Lick, 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 lick. Um, and the kids sometimes also think that that's fun because Aiden will giggle like a little maniac when that happens sometimes. Um, but so we just tell his him face scratched or something like yeah, that. You know Cause it I mean? can escalate really easily. And so we're like, Aiden, you need to stand up. And so we're there supervising all the interactions and we are coaching Aiden on how he needs to behave if he falls down or if the puppy's getting in his business, um, as well as saying, Hey, you can't act that way with him as well as we're, you know, redirecting thunder's focus. If he starts getting overly amped and overly excited with him, we're like, Hey, knock it off. Let's settle down. And then here is a toy or a bone or something of equal or greater value. That's a very important thing about understanding. We talk about switching with um, switching dogs for things to redirect focus or, or help through distractions. And people say, oh, this doesn't work for me or whatever else. Well, the, the key to that is finding something that's equal or greater value. And if you don't have that, no, it's not going to be something to pull the puppy's focus away from the task or the situation at hand. Um, but once you find that, which usually for Thunder, I mean, a chew bone right now, um, and we have lots of different options with that. He likes the 
what are they like that? They're it's braided. Those braided, braided. And, and they say like milk and bacon and something else. Yeah, it's like three different twist. strands. He absolutely loves those. He loves the chew bones. I mean, that's a big thing for him. So um, we hand him one of those and he's ready to be focused on going and doing that. But as far as the, the key to the whole situation is for advocating for both and teach them both the, the rules and expectations. Um, it's, there are situations where, you know, Aiden's like, dogs just leave me alone. And you have to recognize there are times where you just have to say, okay, we're done with this for now. Let's, uh, maybe it's time for a little bit of crate time for the puppy. And then the puppy can come out while Aiden's napping or something along those lines. So there are limitations to what you can accomplish in a day and, um, just understand all of those things. And I think you'd be a lot better off. Yeah. And um, for Allie, you've got a two-year-old and a four-year-old. Both of them should be able to understand some expectations and having them help work with things with your puppy will be awesome as well. Aiden loves helping feed the dogs. He's not always the best at it and spills a lot of dog food, <laughs> but um, he really enjoys getting to help with the scooper and pouring it in their bowl and setting their bowl down for them. Um, so giving the kids responsibilities, I think, with the dogs really uh, makes a difference for them as well because they want to be involved and they want to help um, and giving them things that they can do that are appropriate and um, being directed by you and coached by you will be really helpful for them to feel like they have a role with the puppy. Yeah, the more that you can incorporate everybody in the family into the puppy's training and development, the better off you're going to be. Definitely. Well, guys, um, whoop. <laughs> this uh, bourbon is a little bit. Whew. Well, I'll I'll finish it for you, babe. Thank you. He's out of bourbon, and we're out of time <laughs> this week. Time. I'm the guy with the pink gun, and I'm Cat the dog trainer, and we will see you guys in the next video.